Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. And don't forget, if you enjoy taking notes, you can download the fillable PDF file on our website at goharvest.org forward slash notes. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. All right. What's going on, Harvest Church? How you feeling today? Man, I'm ready to be with you today. It is such an honor to be back with you today. And uh, I just want to say to everyone that has been so kind, uh, all the fellas last night and everybody this morning, thank you again for having us in your great church. And I want to give honor to, uh, to your great pastor and his wonderful wife. You guys have some of the best in the world. And I just want to say we love you guys. Thank you for having us. Um, as a, a part of your guys' ministry. Um, I told a story last time I was here. Some of y'all might remember it. Um, I talked about um, how I came to meet my wife and, and get my wife and her, more importantly, her, her dad to um, appreciate and love me. I told a story about Tapatio. I don't know if you remember that story or not, but ask a friend. Um, it's part of the reason I'm still married. But I do... Um, I do want you to know, uh, just my family, if we've not met before, if you're watching online, uh, this is my beautiful family. This is my wife, Brenda, and this is our daughter, Eliana Joy. Um, that's, um, that, right, that picture proves that prayer can work for you, okay? Because let's all be real honest right now in God's house, okay? I'm a, I'm a seven, okay? I'm a strong seven, but I'm, you know, I'm not a six, but I ain't no eight either, okay? And I know that. I know who I am. I know what I'm bringing to the table. And, um, uh, you know, I'm a seven with a ten personality. And I got all I could out of that personality when it came to Brenda, okay? And my prayer life, okay? So uh, Brenda, she's a ten, I mean, and, you know. And, and our little little girl, Eliana, hey, girl, I love you so much. Um, she starts kindergarten tomorrow. So if you guys think about us tomorrow, pray for us. We'll be crying and all that stuff. But... That's my beautiful wife and my my beautiful little baby girl. And uh, y'all pray for us. We've been trying. We tried for seven years um, before we were given this miracle baby, Eliana. Eliana's name is Hebrew. uh, And me and Brenda were unable to start our family for seven years. And and that's been a part of our story is uh, dealing with infertility. And so we, um, we're grateful to God that we got Eliana. A lot of people struggle forever, and they never get children. And so we are grateful we have one. We've been trying for five years after her. She's five and a half. We started about six months after. And, um, and we haven't been able to add to our family, but we want to. And so uh, if you remember us in your prayers, when you think about our city church and think about me and Brenda and Eliana, I, I want to give her a brother or a sister. She prays for it. Every single time we pray, she always includes that in a prayer that she could get a baby brother, a baby sister. And so just we, we, we invite that, the church, the church of Harvest, to pray for us. Um, I want to also say thank you. A couple years back when I was here, uh, Pastor Perry helped us get started as a church. And uh, we're a baby church, uh, our city church. We, we're called Our City, and we believe it. our city is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to love them, to show them the love of God, to show them that Jesus loves and has a purpose for them. He wants to forgive them. And so we, we love our city and serve our city, and um, that's the name of our church. But our city church wouldn't have made it uh, as a church. We wouldn't have got started without you, Harvest Church. You guys took up an offering for us a couple years back and helped us launch our church. And uh, I want to just show you a couple of things that we've become 
come and um, this this is a baptism day and that's one of the days earlier in our day when we first one of our first services we grew to a couple services and so God's been blessing our church we've seen people come to Christ get baptized get into life groups and um, be transformed by Jesus but we're we just um, five weeks ago for the first time in 16 months we saw our church because we rent a facility out of high school and so the the school would not let us rent and so we were without a building and so we had to go 100% online and that was a very difficult time for us as a church and uh, we just got back together five um, weeks ago and so we um, we couldn't have made it through what we went through uh, without you guys helping us launch and start we're only two years old and so we're a little baby church and we're trying to figure our way out but thank you and I invite um, your prayers we would love you to remember us if you're a praying family if every now and then when you guys think about your mission partners here if you'd include, uh, include us we're a home mission missions uh, part of what you guys have done and uh, we wouldn't have the church we have if it wasn't for you so for everyone who gave and gives here thank you from the bottom of my heart and from our city church we love you and we bless you for that um, thank you so much if you uh, have a bible I want to invite you to open it to Acts chapter 16 today uh, I won't be before you long but I believe God's given me a specific message for you uh, as a church and also as an individual and I hope God will speak mightily in, uh, to you today um, to kind of help us get connected into, uh, you know, what I feel God wants me to share today. Uh, I want to pray and invite God to move on our hearts. Um, and, uh, and, and, and to this end, uh, have you ever kind of been in a position where you, you uh, weren't sure if you needed to stay or if you needed to go, right? You weren't sure. And, 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 you know, we weren't sure if we should go back to the school or find another place or do online, right? And this can happen in our lives, right? You, it, it could say, hey, am I supposed to stay on this team or should I quit this team? Should I keep pursuing this degree or do I need to change my degree? Do I stay in this relationship or do I need to end this relationship? Are these the friends I should keep or should I find some different friends? Am I supposed to be in this relationship as is or does something need to change? Am I supposed to stay at this job or do I need to change jobs? Is this the way I'm supposed to be? Is this what's going to happen? How do I know when it's time to stay? And how do I know when it's time to go? And I believe God's given me a word for that because that happens in life a lot. It happens all the time. How do I, do I need to keep, and maybe it's not even stay in a place, it's do I stay in this way of handling this situation or do I need to learn and pivot how I'm dealing with something? Is there something else I have to learn and figure out so I could get the type of life God's promised me, but it seems like there's a barrier and I'm not sure how to get beyond that barrier. I think God wants to speak to us today to that end. And so I want to pray and invite him to do so. Would you join me in a word of prayer wherever you're joining us online and, and in this room here today? Father, in the name of Jesus, I invite you to anoint this message and to move on us through your word. Your word has the power to transform us, to rewire us, to um, prioritize the things, to change how we think. Would you change how we think today? Would you change the things we believe today to be more like you and make us into your image as a church here at Harvest? And I pray over this word that you would do just that, Lord. And um, I pray that you would also allow Clay Thompson's uh, knee and ankle to come back perfect this year so that the Golden State Warriors will have a chance, God, to reclaim the championship that they deserve to have. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen to the glory of God. Have you ever been um, in a situation when you're driving and there's a little bit of traffic and you got to pick the right lane? You understand the right lane, right? 
It's the lane that because you picked it, you passed like 16 cars. And if you hadn't picked the right lane, you'd be stuck back there, you know, seven minutes of traffic. This is an important and critical time in your life. If it hasn't happened, it will. And if it has, you understand, right? And when you pick the wrong lane, oh, the disappointment when you pick the wrong lane. When you are sitting and then the people just driving by you, looking at you, just smiling at you like, ha ha. And you just can't stand it, right? I mean, you ever get in the carpool lane and just look at everybody sitting there and just wave at them and just go, man, I'll see y'all later. Picking the right lane. How do I know when I'm supposed to stay in this lane or get out? How do I know when I'm supposed to move? These things you will have to decide. And, 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 and in this story that we're going to look at today, I want you to be able to look and see that no matter how difficult, no matter how unfair, no matter how frustrating, no matter how um, impossible it seems, there are a few things that if we will hold on to for some of us, reclaim for others of us, learn for the first time for some of us as well, how to apply it to our faith, it will transform your current circumstance that you are in right now. But I will tell you this, I do believe that there are some missing elements of the way that the church of Jesus has been functioning with our faith recently. There are some things we have forgotten that are basic and foundational and critical to how the church survived for not tens of years, not even hundreds of years, thousands of years. The church of Jesus has survived some of the most perilous, impossible, oppressive, violent, pandemic-stricken, war torn seasons of history and yet the church was able to hand down faith to the next generation that that generation picked up and ran with and when they were done they handed their faith and it got to us and I today believe we need to have an awareness of a few of those things that I am finding as a pastor, as a purveyor of society, as someone who takes a look at culture, steps back and kind of just looks at how it's going. I am looking at some missing elements that are critical to the faith. And it is, listen, it's bigger than you. Because we are just the ones with the baton right now. But there have been generation upon generation upon generation of believers in Jesus who had the baton and were faithful to a few of the things I think we need to wake up to, remind ourselves of, reclaim, or for some of you that are newer to the faith, you need to learn about these things and apply them often. And when we are missing these things, I believe we start to blend in a little more and respond to things in the same way in which people in our world culture responds, and then we don't have anything to offer them because we have become too much like them. So we don't know how to help them get through tough stuff because we don't get through tough stuff the way that generations past used to get through tough stuff. We don't know how to deal. We don't know how to rely on some stuff in our faith. And I want to talk about that today. Um, I want to zoom in on this story in Acts chapter 16 and look at it. Would everyone in here and everyone watching online, if even you want to type it in the chat, will you say there and then? Say it again, there and then. 
type it in the chat there and then. Uh, everywhere I preach, every week um, that I get to go anywhere, I always preach from this perspective I call there and then. What's it mean? It means this. If you don't understand the world of the Bible, then the words of the Bible will never really make good sense to you. So I want you to know what was happening there and then in this story. I want you to know who the players were, what the customs were, what the dynamics were. Because if you understand the world of the Bible, then the word of God, the word of the Bible, will actually land in your heart, your mind, your soul a little better, and you can apply it in the here and now. Now, we're going to get to the here and now at the end of the message, but for now, I want to zoom in uh, with the camera lens of Scripture and look at what's going on. There's this guy. His name's Paul. If you've traveled a lot in Europe, you know about Paul. He's got buildings and cathedrals named after him. He wrote two-thirds of what Christians call the Bible, the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote to store churches, brand-new churches who didn't know how to follow Jesus as a people group. He wrote to them, taught them, shared with them. He used to kill people who believe in Jesus. Now he's the one launching churches about it. Now, Paul was doing ministry with his friend named Silas. Him and Silas are rolling out, and there's this slave girl who is um, uh, the occupation of these guys who own her, and she has the demonic ability to tell the future. She keeps saying stuff to Paul as Paul's walking around doing ministry, teaching people. She keeps going, saying things about them. These guys are servants of the Most High God, saying all this stuff. Now, she made her people a lot of money. By They would charge people to find out their future, and, and, and she was able to do this because she had a demonic spirit. Now, it says that Paul, like, you know, he, he kind of got annoyed. Not kind of. The Bible says he, got, he was like frustrated, which I love because sometimes I think we spiritualize the Bible so much that we lose the humanity of it, of how much it's like me and you. You ever, you, how about this, ready? You ever got annoyed with somebody at work? No, no, how about this? You ever felt like somebody at work had a demon? Come on. You know there's times you were like, you fool of the devil. I know you are. I don't recommend you go to work and try to cast the devil out of your boss. Let me just make sure I'm being clear today about how to apply God's word. Okay, don't do that. But there are times where you'll be doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're going to come up against oppression and difficulty, frustration, annoyance. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be like, why is this so hard? Why are you making things so difficult? And it's just like... I'm trying to do my best. I want to work hard. I want to honor God with how hard I work, how faithful I am, how good I use the crafts and the gifts he's given me. I want to be a faithful student or a faithful worker. And, and so Paul's doing that. And then, then he finally turns around this girl and he goes, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. Well, all of a sudden she couldn't tell the future no more. Well, that's kind of a difficulty for these people because in essence, Paul took away their business model. He's <laughs> like, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, it would be like if you did pest control and somebody cast all the pests out. Pest control would be like, well, I don't really know what we're going to spray for, <laughs> you know? I mean, you have to figure something else out. These guys were frustrated. So they, got a, they arrested Paul and Silas, and they got thrown in jail. Paul and Silas got thrown in jail, but they didn't just get thrown in jail. They got beat up. They were stripped of their clothes, embarrassing enough. Right, especially in a culture of honor that it was back then. They, they wore full gowns, prayer shawls. I mean, they, they were, you know, it's different, way different, okay? So they're, they're embarrassed in that space. But not only that, they've been beaten with rods. And I want to zoom in now on this story, Acts 16, verse 23. Read it with me as you do. Um, after they had been severely flogged, that means beaten with rods on their back, beaten so bad that they had open wounds bleeding where you could see the inside portions of their flesh. If you've ever seen a 
compound fracture, if you are a first responder, if you've ever seen an injury where the bone breaks through the skin and it is bleeding and it is ugly and it don't look nice, I mean, it is beaten up. They are beaten severely and they were thrown into a prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Why? Well, because they don't want these guys to get away, number one. Number two, the jailer's responsibility then was to make sure that they stayed where they were supposed to stay. And if the jailer, listen, if the jailer didn't do it, the jailer would be killed. The jailer would lose their life if they did not keep those prisoners safe. So continuing on, verse 24, he says, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, way deep inside the prison, and he fastened their feet to the stocks, meaning they got put in stocks. So they're chained on their ankles in these things called stocks, and they're just like unable to go anywhere. Paul and Silas are in this place, and the reason they're in this place is because they were telling people and showing people who Jesus is. Have you ever found yourself in a difficult situation because you were living out your faith the way God wants you to, and people didn't like it, and they treated you wrong, and they were mean? Have you ever found it difficult to be like Christ also? Not just because people oppress you, it's difficult. It's difficult because Jesus, his humility is not easy on our sinful fleshly nature. You don't want to say sorry. You don't want to be wrong. You don't want to admit weakness. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to ask for someone to be sensitive to how you're feeling. You don't want to do that because it's difficult on our humanity. It's hard to act as Christ wants us to act. It's not an easy thing. And so they are living out how Jesus wants them to be. And now they're in a, ready, a prison that is unfair, obviously difficult, very physically painful. I imagine it's spiritually painful too. Why would it be spiritually painful? Well, I'm doing what you want me to do, God. Where are you at? You got me in this prison for being obedient. This professor's teaching me mess or being mean to me. My, my, my husband or my, my, my wife, my, my kid. What are you doing with my faithfulness? It doesn't seem like much right now. See, I can tell you this, that when you follow Jesus, there will be times in your life that this is how it's going to be. And I can imagine that being in this painful and difficult place, how they really felt could have been frustration. This is unfair treatment. This isn't fair. I'm not being paid what I'm worth. She doesn't see the value I provide. She's nagging me all the time. He don't understand what I need. He doesn't know how to listen to me. He doesn't get so defensive. We have all these reasons. It's not fair. It's difficult. I guess the question I want to ask is, how do we handle life when it ain't fair? When it's not easy, when it's not even right, when it's so painful and so difficult, and yet, there you are, you're in the prison, and you ain't getting out. It's what it is. It's your job. It is the boss. It is the way it is. It did happen. They did say. They did act. They did do. It ain't fair. It wasn't right. They betrayed you. They told. They broke confidence. Whatever it all was, it is what it is. Your dad was. Your mom was. Your ex was. It's how it went down. You don't like it, it ain't right, it ain't easy, and yet it is life. Society is giving you that, and you look and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? This ain't easy, this ain't fair, this ain't, this ain't how it's supposed to go. And right in that place, you can really see the humanity of it. Some of you, that's where your marriage is right now. Your marriage ain't in a good place, but you're there. You're in the prison. You're there, it's hard, it's difficult, and some of it feels like it's, it's just difficult for things that maybe you don't even know what to do about. Maybe it's your finances. Again, maybe you're looking around at the way, you know, the, 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 the culture is going, and it's hard to figure out what to do. But this is where the story gets real powerful. 
And I love it. Because what the Bible says happens next is what I think the church has to reclaim. The church has to reclaim. And if you are under the age of 30, I really want you to lean in today. Because I want to teach you something that allowed the church to survive the same difficult, painful things that you're going to go through in your own life. And you will not survive on your own. You don't have enough strength to deal with the pain of this life. You think you do. You don't. You can numb the pain. Oh, there's all kinds of things you can go do to numb the pain. There's all kinds of ways you can get out there and act like life don't hurt, that it didn't hurt, and that, you, you know, you're going to be just fine. But I promise you, you go numb the pain with those types of lifestyle choices, and you're just increasing the pain when the numbness wears off. So you then have to numb it all the time. And then you don't ever recognize how much pain you really have. And then guess what happens? Then you don't realize that the very pain that somebody caused you, you are now causing others. So that ain't, that ain't, a, that ain't a wise approach. And yet, it's often what we think to do. See, this is where we have to learn. Okay, so then what do I do when I'm in the situation Paul and Silas are in? Where it ain't fair. I've been beaten. I've been mistreated, abused, talked about, lied about. And of course, if, I mean, I hope you guys are all wise enough. I think you are. But I'm not talking about if you're actually physically being beaten. If you are in a domestic violence situation, get out to now, to today. Get out. You ain't supposed to be ever abused, okay? I just want to be clear. I don't think I need to say that, but just so we're not like you know, missing the point here. I am definitely, though, talking about not things that are abusive and deserve for people to go to jail. I'm talking about things that are just hard, not fair, not easy. In it, it, like the moments of life where it's like, dude, what do I, how do I deal with that? They're not carrying their weight or this seems impossible. I don't know how I'm going to deal with these kids. I don't know what to tell my friend. I don't know what to do. And right here, the Bible says how Paul and Silas responds to their situation. It says this, at and about at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, songs about God and who God is in his character, singing songs, hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Can we just pause for a minute and acknowledge their faith? Can we be inspired by their faith for a moment? Can you pause for a minute wherever your mind wants to run and just see what you just heard? Just stand back and respect it. You know, can you just do that? Can you just acknowledge this is so different than what is common? Because here they are. I mean, when was the last time something was very disappointing for you? Very annoying, irritating, hurtful even, unfair, treatment wasn't right. And you went to your car or to your bedroom in a full steam of whatever your emotions were. And you said, Lord, I just want to take a moment and lift you up and just acknowledge your name and just spend some time with you. I need to depend on you right now. I mean, when's the last time you did that? Right in the middle of all your feels. Where it's just like the ocean of emotion, dude, is crashing on the shore of your heart. And you're like, oh! When's the last time you said, you know what I'm going to do right now? Jesus, I'm just going to sing to you, huh? Come on, church, be real, be honest. I mean, let's acknowledge this is some real amazing response. I mean, and this ain't someone was mean to you online and didn't like your post or unfollowed you. Ooh. They were beat. <laughs> They're in prison. They probably feel like, ah, uh, this is, this, if this is day one, I don't know if we get out of this thing. I mean, I can also imagine if you took the 2021 Christian and threw them in this cell, how does it really go? Let's be honest with our own generation. Let's be honest with the brand of Christianity that is 
actually living itself out right now. The one you see online. The one you see bicker and get mad at each other over stuff that we don't agree about. When we find ourselves in a difficult situation in a church or in a small group or whatever, let's take the American 2021 Christian right now and stick them into this story. How does it really go, huh? How do you think it really sounds? You think it goes like that? I'm going to tell you right now the way it goes. One of them's going to be irritated, probably Silas, looking at Paul like, Paul, you know what? You know why we're in here? Because you don't ever know when to shut up. You don't know when to be quiet. Man, you always talking. You always got something to say. What's the problem? You know what I don't like about you? And I've never said this, but now that we're sitting here, probably about to die, I'm, I'm going to tell you how I really feel. I'm going to get some things off my mind. I've been holding on to this. I'm just going to keep it real. I'm going to tell you why. Because we're supposed to express our feelings. I'm not holding on to my feelings. We're supposed to share our feelings nowadays. I want to be mentally healthy, so I need to share my emotions. Yeah, you're mentally healthy, but you are emotionally broken, and the way you share violates the fact that you are supposed to be sharing. So now you think you're healthy because you shared your emotions, but how you got them out were broken and violent and just as awful and critical and terrible? No. And I can imagine that's how Silas could have went. Paul, I don't even know why you in charge. Why are we following you anyways? Getting me locked up in prison and beat? You make terrible decisions. I'm telling you everything. Lost the business. Our daughter don't want to come home for Thanksgiving. You know what? All of it is your fault. We berate leadership. We talk bad about them. We bicker amongst each other. We complain. I mean, really, think about how this really plays out. You know what I think we need to do? I think we need to reach back into the faith of that generation and, and the ones that came who, when they were, people didn't come home at night during that generation. You know why they were a little late to dinner? They were late to dinner because they got fed to lions. They were late to dinner because they got pulled out their jobs and got their heads cut off. That's why we're praying for Afghanistan, because stuff goes real in other worlds. And we American Christians want to get mad because somebody disagrees with someone thing, something online. Now we don't even know how to function. We don't even know how to show Christ anymore in our faith and we just lose it all. And we just, oh, I'm my emotions. What is that? That is not the faith that got 2,000 years of violent, oppressive governments, of awful stains on everything society brought. The faith that got to me and you had this kind of faith. And at midnight, with a beat-up back and an unfair treatment, with my feet shackled to a prison I do not deserve to be in, I will still make my heart sing a song to the God I know who is alive and well and wants to hear from me. That faith See, we need to go back into Scripture, into the generations that are behind us. Everybody want to look forward. Let's look forward. But you best check the rearview mirror. You better look at Grandmama's faith. Okay? You better look at the ones who went through the roaring third, the ones who surprised the Great Depression, the ones who saw wars, who their babies didn't come back. We got to look back into the ones who went through all the ugly things that are in our history books as a nation and as a people. And then find the faith of those people. And let's look into that and go, now, how did you keep yourself faithfully? 
with that happening. And we want to be upset and mad because somebody want to ask you to wear a mask or because that person got a vax or because of that. We don't even know how to do it, our lives anymore. Have your opinions, have your truths, talk to your friends, go to coffee. Do that. It's healthy. It's a part of life. But for God's sake, that cannot become the emotional disposition of the people of God. If the people of God don't know how to live from faith anymore, what hope does the world have who don't even have faith? We have become like the world became. And the way they respond to their troubles, all of a sudden I start looking at all the people that I see. And I know they're Christians. Some of them have been Christians 30 years. Acting spiritually immature like they just found out about them three weeks ago. And I'm like, what is this? Paul and Silas didn't do that to each other. Silas didn't start looking at Paul. Paul didn't look... I can imagine it would have been hard, but this is what I see they did. No, it's not fair, but this faith was deeper than fair. No, it wasn't right. This faith was deeper than what was. No, this isn't okay. No, this shouldn't stay this way. No, we ain't going to stay like this. No, this ain't going to continue, but we are here now, and I don't want to just always respond. Out of all the emotion of unfairness, I want to have something that goes in front of that. And they said, no, it ain't cool. It ain't fair, but there is something about their trust, that generation's faith in God, that it allowed them to worship God. Ready for this? Together. Wait, and I don't know, I don't, I, this is what I don't know. I don't know who went first. I don't know, I don't know who went first. I don't know who had the courage first. I don't know who had to ask and break the silence and the moaning of the pain from the beating they took. I don't know who broke that sound with words first and went first and said, you know what, why don't, uh, why don't we sing? Why don't we lift his name up right now? I don't know who had to have the courage to go first. My question to you today, church, was when the last time, when was the last time you went first? Where you broke the silence, you broke the difficulty, you broke the unfairness, you broke the pain, you broke the argument up and said, you know what, before we go on with this, we need to pray. We, we, you know what, I know, I know. And you know what, I'm not saying what happened was right. It ain't right. But we ain't going to just jump in the fight what wasn't right and fair first. First. This all is going to be what it is right now. But we got to get something in here. Faithfully rooted, strong, grounded again. And even if it's a two-minute prayer, we, why don't we pray? And I, maybe it's because I'm a church leader that I think, and I'd like to think it was Silas that went first. Because I know what it's like to be Paul. I know what it's like to make decisions that I did for the best and I thought I was honoring God and I did even what I think did honor God. But I had to watch Silas get beat for what I decided. I had to watch my decision play out into what my kids are now dealing with. I had to watch my grandkids have to deal with the issues that I passed on to my, my kids that are their parents. I had to watch the financial wherewithal of my family struggle because I didn't know how to say no to purchasing things that my income didn't deserve to purchase yet. I didn't manage my budget. I get into debt. And now all of a sudden we're choked out with all this financial madness because I don't know how to say no. So now you are getting beat up. You don't know how to manage money. My kids don't understand financial prudence because I never learned it from nobody and now I'm not teaching it to nobody. 
I didn't know how to hold my tongue. I didn't know how to say sorry. I didn't know how to say, you know what, that, that really hurt my feelings. And I, I, I really want to feel connected to you, but I feel that's really hard to do right now because I'm feeling nervous or afraid of how this conversation might go. No, I just learned to go, you know what's wrong with you and you. Oh, yeah. I just repeat the same old broken cycle. I imagine it would be easy for Paul to just be like, I put us here. I ain't saying nothing, man. I'm just so depressed. I can't believe I messed this up this bad. I had to watch Silas's back get beat open. Look what I did. Look what I've caused. And so maybe because I know what it's like to mess up somebody's situation because of my own leadership decision-making. And maybe it was in the right spirit and the right heart, but it didn't work out good for them. And I know what it's like that it's nice for me to imagine that Silas might have been the bold one to not hold it against Paul. I hope you're hearing me, especially if you're married. Not to hold it against him because he, he made the decision and it didn't work out. Not to hold it over his head, but instead to go, Paul, why don't we pray? Why don't we sing? You know that one song you do? Let Man, let's lift up our hearts, man. Let's, let's focus on him. Let's declare his greatness. Let's rely on our faith, man. I don't have enough emotion to make it through this. This is too tough. But there is someone bigger than my emotion. There is someone grander than this situation. There is someone whose name is more worthy. And let's, let's rely on that faith right now. And I would like to think that once they did that, and he said, Paul, let's sing to Jesus, that then as a people, we could begin to say... How do we as a generation of Christ followers start doing that again a little bit more? How do you start saying, hold on, honey, let's pray. You know what? Hey, I know we're going to drive down and we can listen to all the cool music, all the stuff that's like, you know, on the top charts everybody listening to. But are you guys cool for the first like hour we just listen to some worship music? Well, that's hard to do because what if they go, oh, God. Now you're vulnerable and you're afraid. And it is daunting and it is scary. It's difficult to go first with your faith. It ain't easy to be brave. It ain't easy to have courage. It ain't easy to go back into the room you left out in your anger and say, I don't like what happened, but how I left this room is also not okay. I don't think what you said to me was okay and we can talk about the particulars and we will. But first and foremost, ain't the particulars as much as I want to sidetrack us into them. But the particulars don't matter. The relationship matters. Do you want to be right in your argument or do you want to be right in the relationship? Some of you care more about being right in your argument with your wife or your husband and your kids than you do about the relationship getting right. You'd rather sit there and die a thousand deaths of who said, no, you didn't say that. No, you did. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. You said this. No, you did say that. You didn't say that. No, I don't care. You know what? I don't even know why I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to hear the truth. That's why you don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> Paul and Silas didn't do that to each other. They sang together. They lifted up Jesus' name. And this is what will happen in your life if you will do the same thing. The Bible tells us in verse 26 that suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's shackles and chains came loose. God entered 
the prison cell. God himself responded to a type of faith that goes deeper than pain, deeper than unfairness, deeper than disappointment, deeper than betrayal, deeper than hardship, deeper than all the broken choices you can make. There is a faith that will stabilize an environment for you, though it may stay like this on the outside. When you lift and rely on your faith and the name of Jesus, they lifted him up and the presence of God shook that place changed the environment, shifted the culture, set some stuff free, and it says that all of the sudden everyone was loose and doors were open. That means if Paul wanted to leave, he could have left. And now we come to the part of the message that some of you need to hear. How do you know? Doors are open. Maybe I need to get on out of here. Chains are off. Looks like God answered my prayer. I'm out. I haven't talked to this girl since high school, and she hit me up on Facebook. Maybe that was my real true love. This must be the Lord. Start telling yourself all kind of foolish lies about what God's doing. You want to know what taking the Lord's name in vain is? It's when you ascribe things to God that is your foolishness and call it God so you can get away with doing it without feeling bad. You think it's saying, you know, GD and Jesus Christ when you ain't praying or the movies that say all the names of the Lord in vain? Nah, that ain't really what it is biblically. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. The commandment in the Ten Commandments meant never ascribe things to the character or the likeness of God that is not him, just to suit your interest. That is a violation. And some of you be taking God's name in vain every day to get by. And you think, well, I've never said GD it, so I'm good. No, you ain't good. You cussing all the time with your actions. You just don't use the words. And nobody has the courage to tell it to you, sir. Everybody's afraid of you. But I ain't. I can fight. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't fight. Actually, I can't fight. I'm a lover. I ain't a fighter. <laughs> but I got friends that went to prison. So, so if you think for one second you're going to come up on me, you, yeah, I wouldn't do it at my church. I got people that ain't even really saved yet that do security. I'm the wrong church to try to come up and mess around on. I promise you that, okay? So, just want to make sure we was being clear while I'm caught up in the flesh of this ridiculousness right now. Listen, Paul could have left if he wanted to, but he stayed. Why? Because God wasn't done with that place yet. God wasn't done with that place yet. He still had something to do in that place, and he had something to do not just for Paul, but through Paul. God wants to do something through you at that job where the boss ain't fair. God wants to do something through you when you're dealing with these circumstances at home. God wants to do something through you right now in your, in your college, in your high school, with that team, with that friend. God wants to do something through you. It doesn't mean you have to stay forever. It doesn't mean you should be your best friend forever. It doesn't mean that you guys are going to be like, you know, it doesn't mean it's forever. It just means it's for now. This is a for now situation. Yes, the doors are open. Yes, the chains are off. But he goes, if you're going to leave angry, if you're going to leave ugly, if you're going to leave going, nah, you know what? All y'all, man, that's what happened. Ha, 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 ha and you leave with an ugly heart, stay until you can leave with a better heart than that. Don't leave like that 
It's okay when God opens a door for you to go through it, but don't go through it with an ugly heart. Paul says to the man, ready for this? The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped and he knew if I don't kill me, they're gonna kill me. And the way they kill is brutal. They invented crucifixion. I know they're gonna get me. And Paul shouted in verse 28, don't harm yourself. We're all here. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but can I say that to few you online and some of you in this room, God wants to say to you right now in the spirit, don't harm yourself. Don't take your life. Don't harm yourself. Don't hurt your life either. Not just take it, but don't harm it either. Don't hurt yourself to get even with someone who loves you that hurt you and make them watch your life be hurt so you somehow can have power to get even with them because you can't get an apology from them. Don't hurt you to hurt them who hurt you. It's a common thing people do, but don't do it. Don't try to be like, oh, fine, I don't care. I'm just going to let bad things, I'm going to make bad decisions. I'm going to go destroy my life because I'm still hurt from what you did. And you don't know how to say sorry. And so I'm just going to go get even instead. Don't harm yourself because we're all here. You're not alone. God is there. He wants to respond. If you will learn to cry out, call upon his name, you will not need to do that. It says that the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And see, that's the here and now. Do you have any idea who God has put you in the life of that needs you to tap into a faith that's bigger than the emotion of the moment? That needs you to go, hey, 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 I know I don't normally say this, and I hope you don't take this wrong. Okay, can we just pray real quick? Are you okay with that? You know, I got some of the most godless friends ever in Southern California. I really do. I mean, they're crazy. They're rowdy. I mean, they, they, they don't believe in whatever. Can I tell you how many times they've ever told me I couldn't pray with them or for them? This many. Never. Nobody rejects prayer. I've never had anybody say no. Hey, could we pray? And guess what? When you're people of faith, what are we doing? What are we doing? Just think we're going to talk through it with each other? Look, talk. Share your emotions. Get it out. I think it's healthy to share. I'm not, this isn't anti-healthy emotional stuff, anti-healthy mental health. This is let's share our feelings. Let's open up. Let's learn all these tools. But let's not swing the pendulum so far the other way that we don't even know how to pray anymore in the prison cell. We don't know how to lift up the name anymore. We don't know that our faith has to secure us, not just the fact that we have a friend to call. You go through all your friend's favorites. And like, who do I need to talk to? I'm feeling so bummed. But you won't stop and go, wait a minute. I'm in this prison cell. You know who I'm going to call? On the name of Jesus. I'm going to lift your name up. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to shake up the foundations of what's going on in my heart, in my life, in my marriage, in my kids, in my job, in my life, in my studies. And so today, if you're in this room, I want to ask for two responses. First things first, if you're here today and you would say to me, um, I've been following my own way and it's broken my life. My life is broken. I put myself in a prison cell of bad choices and I don't want to be the God of my life anymore. I need to surrender and start following the God who loves me, created me. He died for me and he wants to forgive me. And, and his name is Jesus and he wants a relationship with you today. And if you're here today and, and you would like to say, I need to begin my life. I want to turn my life over to Jesus. I want to give him my life and I want to change my ways and learn his ways so I could have the life that he created for me. Uh, with every head up and every eye open, if that's you right now, I want to include you in my prayer. Would you just put your hand up for me real quick just so I can see you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you. Anybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I see your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I'm going to include these folks in this prayer as well. Uh, your hand raised is the most important thing you've ever done in your life. Jesus is going to meet you right where you're at and change your life forever. It will be different going forward. It will not be, listen to me, it is not going to be easier, but it will be different and it will be better. Following Jesus will not make your life easier. It will make your life better. Say it again for the people in the back. Following Jesus will not make your life easier. It will make your life better. It's going to be hard no matter what, but you want it to be hard because of the things that are changing for the better in your heart and in your life and your relationships. You don't want it to be hard because of the calamity of broken choices. That hard, some of you know. I want to invite you to know the hard of following Jesus and humbling yourself and being made into his image. It is hard. Oh, but it's so much better to change your life. And the last thing I want to invite you to today is for some of you, You've got deep faith, but you've put some of the parts of it on the shelf that have secured you. Some of you are older than me, and you have memories of watching a grandma pray in the midst of hardship, a grandpa pray, tithe when money was tight, but stay faithful to God's house. You remember watching them pray in tough moments, and and you haven't yet realized you're the one in the picture of the hearts of your grandchildren, but you haven't been making it as obvious You haven't been inviting them. Hey, let's just pray for a minute about that. And then you keep talking and listening. I guess what I'm asking for everyone in this room to consider is, do you need to go first a little more often and to initiate a God conversation, initiate a God moment, initiate prayer, initiate worship, change and shift the culture in the prison cell for someone and go, hey, why don't we pray? Instead of always waiting for someone else to go first, instead of waiting for Silas or Paul to say, why don't we God's calling you as a person to say, I'm asking you to start being a person that will go first and not wait for somebody else and go, you know what? Will you pray with me today? I'll talk about what I feel, but I really need to obey God's word. And I know that Silas or Paul went first and I want to go first and see what God will do. And if that's you with every head up and every eye open and you want to declare to God, God, I want to pull that off the shelf. I want to dust off that part of my faith. Or for some of you, you might say, man, that, I've never heard it like that. I want to be, I want to have that faith and pass that faith to my kids, to my husband, to my wife, to my friends, to my children, to my children's children someday. And you would say, I want that to be a marker of me is that I go first to bring God into moments, into prayer moments, into moments where we encounter God. Even if they're brief for a minute or two, you will be that person. If that's you, will you put your hand up in the air? I want to pray for you today. Put your hand up in the air, whoever that is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Come on. Man, we change the world if we'll go first in these little moments. So God, now we bow our heads and close our eyes to you to hone in on your word. Thank you for your word. First and foremost, Jesus, I want people to be able to declare who you are. Would you as a community repeat this after me? And if you raise your hand to follow Jesus and to accept Christ, would you say this prayer out loud from your heart to Jesus? In church, would you all say it so everyone can feel like a, in concert as a family and they feel supported? Would you just say, dear Jesus... I come before you with my broken life. My choices have led me here. I don't want to be in charge anymore. I want you to be my savior. I've done a lot of things that I know are wrong. And I ask you today to forgive me of them. Wipe my slate clean. I believe that you died for my sins in my place undeservingly because of your love for me. 
But I also believe you did not stay dead. You rose from the dead and you conquered my sin. I confess you today as my Lord and my Savior, my forgiver and my leader. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you. Surround me with some real Christians who will love me, be honest with me, go first and show me how to live for you. I give you my life from this day forward. And now, Lord, I as a pastor pray for the whole church. Everyone that raised their hand that said, God, I want to go first. I pray that you would shift the environment in their life moment by moment, week by week. I pray even this week as they put this word to action and they'll say, okay, I'm gonna have faith first. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna pivot this behavior. I'm gonna change the way we work through our conflicts. I'm gonna change these moments. I'm gonna invite a discussion about God. I'm gonna ask people what God's saying to them. What is it that they're going through? How can I pray for you? God, that we would normalize God conversations, God moments, moments of prayer, so that when we find ourselves in the prison, God, you can move on our behalf and change the direction and the future of our lives. I pray, God, that you would blow open doors this week. I pray, God, freedom into the church today. I pray that, God, they would see you move in a mighty way. God, I pray that this word would work itself out, that things that they thought could never be set free would be broken off of them this week as they obey. God, our job is obedience. Your job is the results. Help us to obey your word, to go first, to lift up the name of Jesus, even when it's not easy, not fair, not God, not even right, but God, would we stand with a faith that is from generations past so we could pass it to the world that needs it now. May we reflect to them that faith instead of living out the values of how they respond when things are tough. God, would you do that in Harvest? God, would you do that in me? God, would you do it in our city church? Lord, would you do it in our homes, our marriages, our families? Let us not give up hope, but let us lift up our, our Savior's name. And may we invite the power of God to shake our homes, shake our marriages, shake our children, shake our lives. God, shake us up so that we can see freedom come to those who will ask, what must I do so my life could have saving also? God, do it in us today. And I pray this over the church in Jesus' mighty name. If you accept and receive it, would you say amen? Amen. I love you, church. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.